Thanks for joining us this week for the Church at Starkey Hills podcast. Be sure to visit our website at starkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Why and how we can have a grateful heart in difficult times. And so Habakkuk sent us a letter. God sent us a letter through Habakkuk, and it arrived to help us in just a time as this, because I think we would all agree, we've had a terrible year in, when you look at the big picture, actually a couple of years with the pandemic and the unsettled uh, situation with wars around the world, with the cultural confusion. I mean, it's always something, and if we're not careful, we miss the opportunity to be grateful and to be thankful to a God who has been so good to us. Now listen, if you're a believer, if you're saved, you have every reason to be grateful. You have a better reason than anybody else in the world to be grateful all the time, but especially when the opportunity arises like Thanksgiving to be grateful in this season. And so we looked last week in Habakkuk chapter 1 and we saw in the first four verses the transparency of the prophet. It was basically the the prophet just looking around, uh, surveying his world and saying, God, I I, I got a question. This is your prophet here. I got a question. You know, why is everything so messed up? Why does it look like evil is winning and we are defeated? Uh, Where are you in all this? Why do you watch as this junk goes on in our life? He goes on and he says, you know, it seems like when I pray, you're not listening. And it seems like when I look around, I don't see your handiwork. And I'm your prophet, and so I kind of know you, and I believe in you, and I know you're a a good God and a big God and a sovereign God, but right now I'm just kind of not feeling the love. And so we look up and we're like, hey, I can kind of uh, identify with Habakkuk. And so point number one was this, the question, why God? And we talked about it's okay to ask God why. It's always okay to ask God why. But we learn two things about asking God why. The first thing is this. We should realize that the creator never owes the creation an explanation. He's not obligated to answer us, but he might. Number two, if and when he does answer our why question, it's important that we just take the answer and run with it. Whether we understand it, whether it looks like the answer that we would prescribe for our why question or not, we just take his answer and we go with it because he's God and he, is, he knows what he's doing and he has a plan. Now, last week it was a beautiful thing that we gave the opportunity for people that were here to express their whys to God and to put it on a paper and bring it to the altar, transparency, just like Habakkuk, that would say, God, you know, I would like to know why. Okay, and we brought it to the altar. Now, some of them you don't bring to the altar, but I want to show you one. Uh, I want to show you what a why question might look like in your life. Let's show the video. Um, We are Billy and Jan Italio. We've been attending this church for a long time. Um, We joined in 2008, but we attended before then. But Joel had asked Billy to give his testimony. But before that, we wanted to give you all a little history of our journey over the past 20 years. In 2001, Billy was diagnosed with adrenal carcinoma. Cancer is a very rare form, but the only cure, if there is a cure, was surgery. We had surgery in 2001, and everything was good for four years. And then in 2005, it reoccurred. We had surgery again. 
and everything was good until 2007 and it, it's just been a continuous thing. We've had 15 major surgeries over the past 20 years. Along with that, we've also had a stroke, um, seizures, um, just different things, blood issues of the leg, um, leg bypass surgery several times. And in 2020, Billy was taking a uh, type of immunotherapy and with that, he had a condition called encephalopathy, which means you get toxins in the brain, you go into a coma. So on March the 7th, we took him to the hospital and he stayed in a coma for a week until they figured out exactly what was causing it. Then they started on a very high dose of steroids to bring him out of it. During this time, the doctors were saying, we don't know if he'll make it, we don't know if he'll come out of this. Uh, but we knew that God was there. He was, he's been through this journey the whole way. And we knew that um, this was what we needed to do. So within two weeks of that, he started coming out of it. Um, he started doing better. Of course, this was the time that COVID set in and I could not be there, which was very difficult. But he spent nine weeks in the hospital and uh, in rehab also and came home. But during that time, he lost a lot of weight. Um, he couldn't walk. Um, it was just a very difficult time. But as time went on, God prevailed and he got better. And until last year, things were going pretty good. And then he got an infection in his foot um, in January. And in March, they decided to remove his left lower leg, which has been fine too, because he has a prosthetic and is now learning to walk very well with that. I'm trying to say this, not because we want sympathy, but to tell you all, you don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring and be ready today. Uh, we never thought 20 years ago we would be sitting here today giving our testimony of how God has taken over this situation and, and prevailed. But, you know, He has and we're here and we're just going on. Yeah. Now, that's certainly enough for you to ask why and Billy, I know Billy. I, Billy, you never thought you'd see so much of you on one screen, did you, brother? <laughs> you look good. You look good. You know it. Now, that's enough to ask, to make a person ask why. But it's not just that. It's everywhere. And, and last week, the beauty of the service was we got the opportunity to express our transparency before God and ask why. And we brought, you brought our why questions just in our church family to God, and this is what they look like. I went through all of them and read through all of them and categorized them to kind of let you see that you're not the only one and I'm not the only one that's wearing suffering shoes, that you and I are not the only one going through the why seasons that we're in, okay? Listen to, to how, I'm going to give you the top 12. We'll just start with that. Why do I have sickness, pain, and suffering? Or why is there sickness, pain, and suffering in my family? 26 of our church family members expressed this as a why question. So you're not alone. Number two was why is there so much evil and injustice in the world when we look around? Much like the cry of Habakkuk. 17 people ask that question, why? Number three, why do I struggle with anxiety, fear, and anger 
Honestly, I didn't know there was that many people that struggle with that. But there were 17 people who struggle with anxiety, fear, and anger. And number four, why did I lose a family member to death prematurely? Some extremely prematurely and some earlier than we would have thought. There were uh, 16 people who have lost a family member and they asked God why. Fifth on the list was why are marriage and family relationships so difficult? There were 13 who asked that. There's probably 100 who thought that. Number six, why so many disappointments in life? Why does life just seem disappointing? There were 12 people who expressed that why question. Number seven, why is my life so confusing? Why do I not have clarity? 12 people asked that question. The number eight why question is why is my career miserable or stagnant? A lot of y'all don't like what you do. All right, And it's apparent. And so it, it, the question is, why do I not enjoy what I do? And why does it seem to be going nowhere? 11 people. Ninth on the list with 11 responses is, why do I feel lonely? Now, that one hurts me because I never want anybody to feel lonely. And I didn't know people felt so lonely. But when we're in church, that's the purpose of a church family is to help with those lonely seasons, lonely moments, to be in a group of people through a small group or a Sunday school class to help with that loneliness because there's people who feel that and they ask God why. Number 10 was why was my spouse unfaithful? Eight people expressed that in written form that why did that happen? Number 11, why do I struggle with infertility or miscarriage? Eight people asked that question. And 12th was, why is there so much government confusion? And there were eight people. Now, the rest of the list, there's multiple people who put this response. It's, why is there so much spiritual lostness? Some of it was in the family, and some of it was just generally around the world. Why do I have wayward children? Why have I been through a divorce? Why was, was I abused or molested as a child? Why am I parentless? Why do I feel defeated and unloved by God? Why did I have the death of a friend? Why am I under financial burden? Why is there addiction in my life and in my family? These are why questions that our church family had for God. And so I just share that to let you know it's okay, you're not alone. We all have why questions, literally multiple why questions. And it's okay to ask God why, but we need to be careful not to get hung in the why. And so as we continue in this, we, we read this letter and, and, and we can kind of empathize or identify with this prophet from 2,600 years ago. It's like, dude, you sure this is that old of a letter? Because it sounds like something I wrote last week. And yet it is an old book. So now in the scripture, in Habakkuk, we go from, uh, from Habakkuk saying why, why, why to God to God answering his question because it's a dialogue and that's what God does. He answers our questions. And when he answers his question, it's not what Habakkuk thought. It moved from a why God to a whoa God because what God told him was simply this, man, it's going to get worse before it gets better because I am disciplining a nation I am trying to draw a people back to me, to get them back in the fold, to, walk, to where they're walking by faith and not by sight, where they're living for me and not against me. 
And, and so he says, I'm going to empower a people, a wicked people called the Chaldeans or the Babylonians. And they're going to come in and they're just going to take over. And they're going to take the nation captive. And they're just going to just take advantage of the land. They're going to rob it and pillage it. And so it's going to get worse before it gets better. And so the point we left in that was this, just because it's unpleasant doesn't mean it's unplanned. That even when we don't like it and we don't understand it and it hurts, God is still God. And it's good to remind ourselves when, isn't it easy to be faithful and be excited and oh, praise God when things are good? Isn't it easy to do that? Oh, God is good. We get a new job, oh, praise Jesus. Okay, we're in a new relationship with somebody. Oh, praise God, I got somebody. Okay, all these circles, we just had a baby. Uh, Jeremy and Rachel Cox just had their baby. Oh, praise God. Okay, hey, that's what we do. We praise God in the good. But when things get ugly, when things are unpleasant, we kind of begin to wonder if God is still large and in charge. But God is always on his throne. And that's what he's going to remind Habakkuk about, that he's always up to something. Now, last week, and then we're going to move forward, he left Habakkuk with this thought. He said, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something, Habakkuk, and it's going to, like, startle you. You're going to be amazed, and you won't believe it even though I'm forewarning you. You, you won't understand it. And isn't that the way it is with a God who looks out for his children? That sometimes the God perspective is different than the child perspective, and they don't understand. As some of you men have daughters that are little girls. And man, our little girls are awesome. I raised two little girls. And, but I'm just going to warn you. They're going to turn 16, okay? And, and, and maybe at 13, they're going to come to you and say, Daddy, um, I've been invited to go out on a date with Jimmy or whatever his name is. Jimmy's a good name. And so you say, you have? Well, okay, let me think about it. And so thinking about it looks like, you know what it looks like? Uh, getting on social media, checking out their, their Facebook, right? Doing some uh, covert investigation. Hey, do you, anybody know Jimmy? What's up with Jimmy? You get all the information and then you go to your daughter, hey, I've been thinking about the whole Jimmy thing. It ain't happening. Jimmy's a loser. He ain't invited to the picnic, okay? You can't go out with Jimmy. And man, your daughter thinks Jimmy is like second to Jesus. I mean, he's, just, he's this cute kid. He's doing good in school. He's athlete. He's funny. He's nice. You know, all of the girls around said, yeah, I think that would be good for you to go with Jimmy. Yet father steps in and says, no Jimmy, okay? Just no Jimmy, bold font, okay? Jimmy ain't happening. She won't understand, because her vision of Jimmy is clouded by the circumstances that she's in, right? It's the same with God as our Father. We have things in our life that we want, we desire, we look for, we kind of expect from God. And meanwhile, God says, no, that's not how it's going to be, okay? And you won't understand because your vision is clouded and it's obstructed by the circumstances in your life. And so Habakkuk chimes in and he says, Okay, here's what we can know. And we're going to see this today. Listen, God is not about your happiness. God is about your holiness. It's always true. Now, in your holiness, you may find some happiness, and I would say you will, because there's happiness and joy and peace and pleasure in the presence of holiness. But God is pursuing your holiness and not just your happiness not only that, you can bank on this from God. 
God is always after your good, but the thing that trumps your good is his glory. He's about his personal glory first because he's God. But he's about your goodness and good things in your life. And so Habakkuk is going to help us see that. So now we go down to Habakkuk 2, and he's going to give us like the catalyst, the thing, the, the instrument or the, the, the process to help us move from this spot of why God, woe God, to a new dimension that I'm going to call wow God. You ready? He says in Habakkuk 2, he's cried out to God a little bit more, asked some more why questions. And he says in verse 1 of Habakkuk 2, he says, I will stand at my watch post. I will remain stationed on the city wall. I will keep watching so I can see what he says to me and can know how I should answer when he counters my argument. <laughs> you got to give Habakkuk credit. He's staying in the game, right? Then it goes on in verse 2, <clears throat> and the Lord responds to Habakkuk again. He says, write this down, this message, record it legibly on tablets, so the one who announces it may read it easily. For the message is a witness to what is decreed. It gives reliable testimony about how matters will turn out. Even if the message is not fulfilled right away, wait patiently, for it will certainly come to pass. Now, he's going to tell us the key. You ready? Verse 4. He says, look. The one whose desires are not upright will faint from exhaustion. Now, let me pause right there. He's saying, listen, God's saying, listen, Habakkuk, I'm sending the Chaldeans and the Babylonians. He's saying, listen, church member, Christian, follower of Jesus in 2021, I'm sending some business in your life that you're not going to like. But there's a plan and a purpose for it. And he goes on and he says, so I want you to understand this. He says, the one whose desires are not upright, they're going to faint from exhaustion. It's going to hurt a whole lot worse if you are not upright in your approach to living this life. But now watch this. He says, on the other hand, but... The person of integrity will live because of his faithfulness. Your translation, it may be worded like this. The just shall live by faith. Now, in Bible study, there's hermeneutics. There's a thing called the law of first mention. When something shows up for the first time, it's, it, it pay attention because it, there's some powerful truth connected to it. When something finds itself repeated throughout Scripture... It's really good stuff, and you need to live by it and apply it to your life. So what is that? Here it is. The just shall live by faith. We don't know much about Habakkuk. He's a cool little prophet, minor prophet, three chapters, shows up in the Bible, but we don't know that much about him. But this one phrase gets repeated three times in the New Testament. The just shall live by faith. Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.13, Hebrews 10.37. We are to live like Habakkuk's people were to live, and that is by faith. By faith. What is faith? Faith is believing something is so, even though it doesn't really seem so, just because he said it was so. That's faith. It's walking by the promises of God, the things that we believe to be true because God cannot tell a lie, rather than walking by the things that we see. Now, we, we like walking by sight. We, we live by sight. But God says, if you want to endure and persevere and experience life to its fullest measure, then don't walk by what you see. Walk by what you know to be true based on the promises 
of the word of God. Now, Paul expands or amplifies the idea in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. He said, Paul said, walk by faith and not by sight. Hebrews eleven six says it this way. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. In Romans 14, 23, the third part, it says, whatever's not of faith is sin. And so we need to kind of like anchor that in. We need to like drive a stake in the ground and tether ourselves to this one thing that we're supposed to walk by faith. Faith is not built on the circumstances of our life. Faith is built on the promises from God's word. And that's how we move through those why God, woe God moments and we still come out on the other side victorious because we're tethered. We're connected to something that's bigger than what we see. It's based on the promises of God. And so here is how we move from last week's why God questions to a grateful heart in difficult times where we can look up and say, not why God, not woe God, but wow, God. Now listen what happens. Wow, God. Habakkuk chapter 3, Habakkuk talking to God. It says, this is a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. Verse 2, he says, Lord, I've heard the report of what you did. I am awed, Lord, by what you accomplished. In our time, repeat those deeds. In our time, reveal them again. But when you cause turmoil, remember to show us mercy. Now, moving forward, verses 4 through 12, it describes God making everything right in his broken world. Restoring everything as it was before the Chaldeans and the ba or the Babylonians came in. Now, in verse 13... Habakkuk continues to talk about how wow God is. He says in verse 13, you march out to deliver your people, to deliver your special servant. You strike the leader of the wicked nation, laying him open from the lower body to the neck, Selah. You pierce the heads of the warriors with a spear. They storm forward to scatter us. They shout with joy as they were plundering the poor with no opposition. But you trample on the sea with your horses on the surging, raging waters. I listen and my stomach churned and the sound made my lips begin to quiver and my frame went limp as if my bones were decaying and I shook as I tried to walk. I long for the day of distress to come upon the people who attack us. That's cool. He's the, now he's getting excited. He said, listen, we've gone through hell and back in this why God, woe God moment. But God, I see what you're doing. I trust you. I know what you're doing. I look forward to what you're going to do because I know the rest of the story you see sometimes we get caught in the wrong chapter we get caught stuck bogged down in chapter one or chapter two of what God is doing in our life and there's a chapter three that's just waiting out there for us to get to it in chapter three is where we find our deliverance where we find our hope and our restoration it's where chapter three is where we develop a grateful heart in difficult times now You've heard what he goes through, and it sounds like what we go through, amen? I mean, just junk, just some bad, ugly stuff. Listen what Habakkuk, where he lands. He says, when the fig tree does not bud, when there's no grapes on the vines, when the olive trees do not produce and there's no, uh, when the fields yield no crops, when the sheep disappear from the pen and there's no cattle in the stalls, 
He says, I will rejoice because of the Lord. Right? He goes on, he says, I will be happy because of the God who delivers me. He says, the sovereign Lord is my source of strength. He gives me the agility of a deer. He enables me to negotiate the rugged terrain. He's gone through the whole Why God, Woe God series. The sequences of events, the circumstances of his life that have brought him to a place where he's distraught and he's concerned about everything and he's finding a place where he's beginning to doubt God a little bit just like we do and yet he emerges based on the promises of God. The prophet has seen a vision of what God will do in his life and he says, you know what? I don't care if the fig trees don't bud. I don't care if there's no grapes hanging from the vine. I don't care if the olive gardens produce no olives. I don't care if there's no sheep in the pen or cattle in the stall. I don't care what happens in this world. I am going to get excited because of my Lord. And I am going to be happy because God is good. Amen? Now, when's the last time you celebrated God for his goodness like that? Right? When's the last time, like Habakkuk said, I am awed, I am like perplexed, I am like blown away at the greatness of who you are. And all of the focus left on the things of this world and we were captivated in the moment of saying, oh God, you are amazing. You smoke me with your presence. God, I am amazed that you still allow me to engage with you, to have an audience with you. Because when we do that, all of that stuff in our world, our circumstances, they disappear. And we find our place where it's good to be with God. Now, you can say, but Joel, this is 2,600 years ago, bro. This is old stuff. What about for me? What about for us? What about for our church? What about for my family? What about for the business that I wrote on my card last week? My why God moment. What promise do I hang on to? Because we've got them. We live in a messed up culture. I stopped watching the news because it's, one, it's not true a lot. And two, it's the same thing over and over, amplifying the bad. And if we're not careful, we forget about walking by faith and we walk by sight watching the world we live in. What does it look like? It looks like this. It looks like the world is winning sometimes. It calls evil good and good evil. It seems to shake its fist in the face of God. It distorts the truth and, and uh, rallies behind the lie. It hides infanticide under the banner of choice. It encourages gender confusion and denies God's plan for marriage. It rewards the lazy and penalizes the worker. It fosters hate among people groups, whether socioeconomic, racial, gender, uh, genders, or academia. It just, it's just always, it's always uh, promoting something that is not of God. That's the world we live in. And Paul describes it in Philippians 3.19 as a place where they would glory in their shame. Where rather than being, you know, uh, uh, embracing things that are evil and being embarrassed by it, man, they're proud of it. They glory in the shame of the sinful condition that they live in. And so we find ourselves asking why. And I want you to know today the promises of God 
are for you. Tell the person next to you all of God's promises. Tell them. Are for you. You see, when God makes a promise to his people, it's true for all times. I'm not a prosperity preacher. You know, I'm not that guy. But I'm telling you this based on the authority of the word of God. When God gives you a declaration in this book, it's a promise from God to you. And we walk in those. So what does that mean when we're hurting and we've got those why woe questions? It means we begin to look through scripture and we find the promises of God. I preach several funerals every year and and one of the most popular, the most popular passage for funerals is the 23rd Psalm. Sometimes we just need to get that thing out and read it again. It's old school. Listen to the 23rd Psalm. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing or I, I want for nothing. He says, he takes me to lush pastures. He leads me to refreshing waters. He restores my strength. He leads me down the right paths for the sake of his reputation. And then he says, even though I must walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they reassure me. You prepare a feast for me in plain sight. Of my enemies, you refresh my head with oil. My cup is completely full. Surely your goodness and your faithfulness will pursue me all my days, and I will live in the Lord's house for the rest of my life. Listen, on your darkest day, you can know this: you have a shepherd. His name is Jesus, and He may let you walk through the darkest valley. He may place you in a circle of your enemies, but He's going to be right there with you, and He'll lead you to the other side forever. You say, well, that's Old Testament. Okay, fair enough. John 14, 3, that's New Testament. It says this, Jesus said, I go and make ready a place for you, and I will come again and take you to be with me so that where I am, you may be too. There's a promise. Jesus said, I'm going, to make, take, I'm going away to make a place for you. I'm coming to get you, and you're going to be with me forever. So whatever temporary suffering that you may be in, there is an eternity waiting where uh, perfection is what it looks like. Revelation twenty two twelve. Jesus said, look, I am coming soon and my reward is with me to pay each one according to what he's done. I'm coming soon. He said that 2,000 years ago. <laughs> I believe he's coming soon. I believe Jesus will return to this earth in my lifetime. Peter thought the same thing. That's side the point. I really do believe. You should believe. We are too anxiously and expectantly Hope in the return of Jesus. Because when Jesus comes back, it gets real good real fast for the believer. What about another promise? 1 Thessalonians 4, referencing the return. It says, then I saw heaven opened, and here came a white horse. And the one riding it was called Faithful and True. And with justice, he judges and goes to war. His eyes are like a fiery flame, and there are many diadem crowns on his head. And he has a name that's written that no one knows except himself. And he's dressed in clothing dripped in blood. And he's called the Word of God. And the armies that are in heaven, dressed in white, clean, fine linen, were following him on white horses. From his mouth extends a sharp sword so that with it he can strike the nations. And he will rule them with an iron rod. And he stomps the winepress of the furious wrath of God, the all-powerful. He has a name written on his clothing and on his thigh, King of Kings 
and Lord of Lords. This is Jesus coming back. And he's going to rule and reign on this earth. Now, before he comes back, he takes the church away. And this world, we think we've got some why God, woe God moments. You let Jesus come back for his bride, the church, First and Second Thessalonians, called the rapture, the catching away, the harpazo. You let Jesus take the church out of this world. You're talking about some woe God, wow God, I mean some why God, woe God moments. I mean, they're going to be screaming out. Because suffering like this world has never seen will happen on this earth. But then we return with him to rule and reign on this earth. Now, I tell you that to say sometimes we forget, as we've learned from previous Bible studies, that we're pilgrims passing through. We're on a journey. This is not our forever home. We don't know how long we're going to live. But there's a better day coming. I'm thankful this week. Let me tell you why. And it connects to our temporary residence upon this earth. On about Monday of this week, I received a phone call from, from Ed, or a text from Ed Gallion. It said, hey, you got some time tomorrow? And I'm going to paraphrase it. He says, you got some time tomorrow? And I said, yeah. And he said, my mother-in-law had pneumonia, double pneumonia, and she had a stroke. And she's at home now. And, uh, and she had a dream. Um, and she wants to talk to the preacher, more or less. I said, yeah. I said, hey, how old is your mother-in-law? He said, 95. So here's a 95-year-old who had a stroke and has just got out of the hospital with pneumonia. You know the woman I'm expecting to see when I get over there, you know. Slumped over in her chair, slobbering on herself. That's what I would be, right? That was not the case. She's sitting in a recliner just like I would. And I walked around the corner. I said, uh, Miss Bonnie, somebody has lied on you. She said, about what? I said, they told me you were 95. That's not you. She said, I am 95. I said, you are well preserved. <laughs> I said, so basically, I said, you had a dream? She said, yeah. And she, was real, she got real concerned. She had a dream. She said, I'll... I died while I was in the hospital, and apparently she did. They revived her, best I can tell. And she said, in that moment, I stood at a door, and there were two men standing there, and they said, you can't come in here because you said no. In essence, that's her dream. And she couldn't really understand it all, but she, something was unsettled in her spirit, and she felt like she needed to be saved. <laughs> you think? So I shared the gospel, <laughs> and I told her my personal testimony and how we're all, we begin on the same place, same playing field of lostness, and God invites us into his forever family through Jesus' his son. And she basically said, I want that peace in my life. And I said, well, it only comes from one place, and that's Jesus. I want to ask Jesus to save me. <laughs> it's so easy. I said, okay, I'm going to pray for you. Not to be saved, just pray for you. When I say amen, I want you to talk to God. So I prayed for her, and she began to talk to Jesus. And she said, Jesus, I want you. I've done wrong things. I want you to come into my life. I want you to save me. Basically, a sinner's prayer. We went through it. Amen. She was all excited. 
She was crying. It was beautiful. It was beautiful, okay? Now, uh, I left there, and on Wednesday, I was going to Greenville to meet with one of our members up there. And on the way back, a young man, uh, I got a text message that a young man had gotten saved last Sunday, wanted to be baptized. So I called the young man, his name's Caleb, I baptized him in the early service, and he said, yeah, he said, I'm in Knoxville at school, and I moved from Indiana, I've been watching online, I came last week, I asked Jesus to save me, but I think I need to be baptized, and I said, yes, you do, and so I talked, I said, give me your whole testimony, I, yeah, 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 baptized him in the early service, all right, now, I hung up the phone, and it dawned on me, the first step of obedience after salvation is baptism, I called Ed, and I said, Ed, we need to get Miss Bonnie baptized. He said, yeah, we do. So on Thursday, I guess it was, she had some questions. Went back over there, and she had some good questions. And I said, Miss Bonnie, when, in the Bible, when somebody gets saved, they get baptized. And your body may not ever allow you to be immersed in a tub of water, but I could baptize you today by pouring water over your head if you'd like. She said, I want to be baptized right now. We laid a towel over, prayed over, poured water overhead. Now let me back up. She said, there's some, it's like there's a ghost or something bothering me about my salvation. And I said, it could be a demon. So I prayed the demons would be bound. And she said, I said, Miss Bonnie, for 95 years, you have not lived for Jesus. And the devil has loved that. And you've asked him, Jesus, to come into your life to save you. The demons hate that. And so no doubt there's demons giving you grief. But the name of Jesus is above all names. And the demons are fearful of the name of Jesus. So whenever you're fearful, whenever you have questions, or whenever you want to rejoice... All you have to do is say the name of Jesus. Now, back to the baptism. Poured the water over her head and she was baptized. As soon as she was baptized, her hands went up and she said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen? Amen. Now, that's good. That's good. Now, <clears throat> you say, what does that have to do with this message? Okay? God always has a plan. And we should never be found guilty of doubting God's plan. And no doubt, Ed and Kim and their family have prayed for Miss Bonnie over and over and over through the years. But God had a plan. Now, here's the beautiful part. I don't know why God let me be part of that plan, but I sure am glad he did. And I want you to know, you may be in a season right now where the plan of God seems so distant. So distorted, so fogged and confused, I want you to know that's your vantage point. God is not fogged. God is not confused. Uh, God knows with clarity what he is doing, and he wants to include you. And sometimes the hurt, sometimes the sickness, sometimes the hurt, Sometimes the confusion, 
Sometimes the loneliness, sometimes the evil, sometimes the anxiety, sometimes the death of a, a family member, sometimes a marriage or family difficulty, sometimes the disappointments in life, sometimes our career and our job frustration, sometimes the unfaithfulness of a spouse, sometimes infertility and miscarriage, sometimes com confusion in the government, sometimes spiritual lostness, sometimes wayward children, sometimes divorce, sometimes child abuse, sometimes parentlessness, sometimes unloved by God feelings, sometimes the death of a friend, sometimes financial burdens are all part of God working a plan that's bigger than we understand. Listen, for his glory and for your good, to develop not your happiness, but your holiness, so he can use you and empower you more for his kingdom and not this little world, this little globe that we walk around on. Amen? Now, what do we do then once we understand that, that we can have a grateful heart in difficult times? We lean on the scripture that we've been given, the hope and the promises that God has given us. Well, last week, we wrote our why questions on a card and brought them to the altar. Transparency before God. God, this is my why question. I give it to you. I thought about it this week. How fitting would it be to write our wow God thoughts on our paper and bring it to the altar? Because it's if we've placed our why God question on the altar and now we're going to take our wow God thoughts and lay them over the top of our why God questions I want you to know a proper wow God perspective will always triumph over our why God moments he's that kind of God he's that big of a God I want to show the rest of the video from Billy and Jan I just want to thank God for seeing me through all this. If it wasn't for Him, I sure would be here. And also, too, the power of prayer. If people don't think it works, just look at me. I am a walking miracle. Everybody, all the doctors and everybody's told me I'm just a walking miracle. And uh, But I just, I just want everybody to know the power of prayer and everything. I've had my bowels ruptured and I stayed in the hospital five and a half weeks, had three major surgeries during that time. And you know, it, it just, it's really tough what you go through. But if it wasn't for the good Lord, I wouldn't be here. And I, I know the stuff I've been through and everything, a lot of people have been through more than I have probably. But I just, you know, it's just a miracle that I'm still here. And I want to thank the Lord above for giving me this lady over here. If it went for her, I probably would have gave up a long time ago. But she has pushed and pushed. And with the power of God, she pushed me to do that. It's just not on her own. It's the power of the Lord. And I just want everybody to know, we're not asking for sympathy, like she said. I just want everybody to know that if it wasn't for the power of prayer and the Lord above, I would not be here. And I'm just so thankful we have a church that prayers 
prays for all of us all the time. And the pastor, he is so good to us. You know, he sees me every week and always say how I'm doing and all, and he knows what we've been through. And uh, he just, if it, like I said, if it wasn't for him, during this church and everything, we probably wouldn't be here. Because it just, it's really tough to go to church. There's so many non-believers, but everybody in this church seems so happy. And when you walk through the door, it's just a greeting from everybody that makes you feel home. And that's, I feel good about that. We've had doctors tell Jan and myself that it's not him that saved me, it's the power of God that saved my life. We've had three or four, and I have been so blessed with the doctors and hospitals, because they took care of me, but they also take care of her. And that means a whole lot. So I just want to thank everybody for everything they've done for us over the years, and thank the Lord above, because like I said, if it weren't for Him, none of us would be here. So thank we, you. We, we've been at the church a long time. We don't know some of you. We know some of you, but if there's anything we could ever do to help you guys, just reach out. Let us know. So. Amen. Now. Many of you know another couple in our church that's been battling disease, cancer, and it's uh, Jason and Kim Melton. And first of the week, he sent me this text. This is what it says. He says, hey, Pastor Joel, great message this past Sunday. I've certainly had my seasons of why. But after reading Habakkuk and Job, I let my spirit peacefully rest, knowing he is all-knowing and his plan is sufficient for my life. When you truly turn your life over to him, then he's in control and he can do with it as he pleases and needs. I am satisfied in that knowledge and because I am his. I don't worry about the outcomes of my life. Thank you for that message. I'm excited to hear part two. I am praying for you and excited to see God work through you. Now, whether it's the words of Habakkuk or Billy and Jan's video testimony or a text message like this. Do you hear the components of gratitude in there? It's, it's that they have a peace about them, that they're, they know that God is up to something and his plan is sufficient and he's working something out regardless of the outcome. And, and that they realize they're in the hands of a great God and then they're thankful in such a difficult time. And then they want to help and pray for somebody else. And that's what God does when we move from why to wow. And so I'm going to pray and then I want you to consider writing a wow God thought or two on your card. And during the song, just bring it to the altar to place over your why God questions. And maybe today, this may be a little foreign to you because you don't walk with God. You've never received his gift of grace into your life. Maybe today, 
is your day of salvation, like the young man last week, like uh, Miss Bonnie this week. Maybe this is your day of salvation, where you simply <clears throat> forget about religion, forget about some idea about spirituality. Just come to a place of transparency where you say, God, I realize I am sinful and undone before you, separated, God, because of my sin. But in this moment, I feel you inviting me into your forever family, me of all people. And I don't get that kind of love, but I sure can receive it. So God, I confess all my sinfulness to you. I confess who I am, broken and imperfect before you, a holy, righteous God. And I feel your invitation into your family. I want to exchange my brokenness for the perfection of your son Jesus and what he did on a cross for me. Save me today. Mark me and fill me with your spirit. Help me live for you as the Lord and master of my life from this day forward. I pray it in Jesus' name. And if you pray that prayer, then on your card today, simply write, today was my day of salvation. And for the rest of us, whatever that wow moment is, prayerfully consider it and bring it and place it on the altar. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.